Greetings, greetings, greetings. Good afternoon. It's time for another KG with Wood Wildcat and Doc podcast with a fourth member joining the discussion today. We're going to refer to him as G Reg. And if you don't know what I'm the referring to, international traveler. If you don't know who that's referring to, G Reg, <laughs> Google it. Let's get right into it. Fellas, we're here in, upper, in the press box at the Amelie Arena. Get ready for the women's final four. First game, we got. Um, South Carolina, Notre Dame, followed by UConn, Maryland. What do you want to talk about first? <coughs> let's see. Um, let's just go down the line. What has transpired already? The men are getting ready for their finals t- tomorrow. Let's talk about the game. Like, that ain't what I'd ask you, man. I ask you, we're hit at Emily Arena. Well, then. Well, we're going to talk about the women's final, women's final four first. Okay. You're disrupting the flow. Well, you know, I'm trying to check myself this morning. Kind of see, we can see you, you opened up a whole can of worms if you want to get go that way, you and your your stuff. So, like I said, we're going to talk about the women's final four. Which game are you going to talk about first? One should be more competitive than the other. I think we agree on that. True. I'm I'm a scholar in the gym. I'm a scholar in the gym, and so I believe uh, let's talk about the women's first. We're here. I mean, their game is today. Final four, two huge matchups. You have the queen of them all with UConn trying to get to 10. And I say that uh, lightly because the games haven't been played, but uh, consensus, um, unlike Kentucky in terms on the men's side, they're going to find a way to get it done, particularly in this first matchup. I don't think it's going to be very close against Maryland. Kudos for them doing what you're supposed to do as a number one seed, which all number one seeds have made it to the tournament, Final Four. Just the third time. So that's significant, um, but uh, just the disparity in terms of how that talent comes together and plays. Maryland, although they were number one seed, I'm not sure the expectation were that they were able to really get to this final four position. So kudos for getting it done, but I don't think it's very likely that they'll find a way to get over the hump over UConn. On the other side, you have a little more um, competitive matchup. Notre Dame, obviously. His ride made for the last four years, getting here fifth time. That's 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 significant in itself, and I think they want a, another opportunity to see if they can knock down the queen, if you would, in terms of the top of her approach and what she's doing. So that'd be interesting. So I'm gonna lean uh, towards Notre Dame now that I'm here and looking at this matchup. But South Carolina is gonna have something to say about that. Representing the SEC, it's their first time getting here, um, so it should be interesting. Uh, in terms of that matchup uh, today. G. Reg, you have something you want to add? Well, I just want to say uh, I believe uh, tonight Maryland will be Connecticut. Um, I think uh, Connecticut hasn't had a lot of say what uh, say that say that again. Yeah, you got to say Ma- that. You, Maryland will be Connecticut tonight. In what the the band performance? <clears throat> what 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 are you talking about? Well, I don't know. The cheerleaders are looking pretty good this morning when they're out there stretching, practicing. So, so is that what you're referring to? <laughs> of the actual game on the court, on court activity? I'm saying game court activity here. I'm gonna go out on limb. You you by, know, you're by yourself. Well, I, I know I'm by myself. Good for you though. That's why you're on the podcast. <laughs> I know I'm by myself, but. You know, uh, so far Tampa has not been good to Connecticut, both men's and women's side. Uh, 2008, good point. 2008, uh, Connecticut came in. Uh, they were pretty much top favorite, even though, uh, Tennessee was, uh, the current champion at the time. Uh, they did repeat. Um, they did not have to go through Connecticut. Connecticut lost in the semifinal game. Um, so I'm thinking, uh, this year, uh, just like 2008, uh, Maryland will go ahead and beat Connecticut in the semifinal game. Of course, um, a lot of people won't like that, including ESPN. But um, I'm I'm looking at a Maryland <laughs> South Carolina matchup for a final. Wow, you just really just threw rocks right there, just uh, across the board. Bowling. Yeah, that limb on my side is pretty thin. Wildcat. Yeah, um, I'm gonna, I'm rolling with the with UConn just because they've been challenged a half at least once in this in this uh, tournament, and we find out what happened. <laughs> In the second half. Yeah. And that was a team that nobody was expecting them to eat. That game to be even be close at all from beginning to end. Uh, but I, I'm going to stick with what I've been saying all season. Teams have to answer the call after drought. If UConn goes in a drought, you go in a drought. When they make a start, when they make the run, they, they come back. You had better be able to answer that call. 
and Kenyans haven't been able to do that on a consistent basis. Uh, and as we, like I said, Dayton last week was as close as anybody has, has been to really contending for a half. And we find out what happened in the second half. You know, that challenge goes out, the light goes on, and bam. There you are, you're down by 5, 10, 15, and probably even 20. It'll be interesting. Guard play will have to definitely will be a, a key factor, uh, whether they can score, get inside, and not be intimidated by uh, the bigs from uh, UConn. And G-Reg, you know UConn has three All-Americans, right? Well, I know they do. I know, and, and if they lose tonight, which most people think they won't, um, you know, that's why it would be a big shocker. So, you know, tonight when, when I'm out celebrating with Maryland Terps and their fans. Fear the turtle. Fear the, that's right, exactly. Fear the turtle. Got to fear the turtle, man. It's 2008 all over again. I like the turtle. One thing about it is the turtle doesn't turn loose, man. The turtle, bites, so you, the turtle's going to be in trouble against the hustle. So, bites, so you were relying on Alexi Brown playing well, shooting well from the outside, Lauren Mincy playing well, Brianna Jones doing a some kind of job in the post with her size and let's just say her size. She's not only tall, she's she's a big girl. Well, I'm relying on on a lot of things. I mean, today is Easter Sunday. So you're talking about religion. I'm talking this time of miracles. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, time, I see. It's that. time it's, it's a day it's a weekend of miracles. You oh know? yeah. So that that's what I'm looking at. Now, of course, I, I will that say this. In. I like that. I, I, I'll say this though: if, if Connecticut does win, you know, they're blessed to to get past Maryland tonight. Hopefully, it's somewhere between the sixteen and twenty-five point range, and that's all I got to say about that. If UConn wins, but I'm looking, I'm looking at a miracle here on Easter Sunday. Maryland Terps taking it home. Okay. Well, see now the truth comes out, so you have a little bit more of a understanding of why G Reg made yeah. that pick. Because I was just gonna say, you know, Stewart is like it's not really for basketball reasons; it's for divinity. Okay, exactly. So (laughs) it's destiny for Maryland right now to make it to 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 the championship game. Okay, well, fair enough. Well, let's well let's touch on a little bit a little bit more. We got Notre Dame with Jewel Lloyd, uh, Manville High School's own Brianna Turner. And uh, listeners can go to my women's who's blog on the hrr.com and see a brief write-up. I had a chat with Brianna on Saturday. You had a nice talk. What did you think about that? She is a freshman. She's a freshman dealing with someone who I don't think she's comfortable with. And that's so she's to, pretty to school in terms of being straightforward. So what she not? was, she was, uh, she gave nice politically correct answers right. as a freshman. Yeah, it wasn't like and she as, was terse or anything. As someone, you know, who yeah. you, if I were, if I would have covered her in high school and had a better relationship with her, a longer relationship, I think we'd have had probably longer answers and, you know, things like more descriptive and detailed answers. Which allowed you maybe to go a little deeper into correct. your interview as well. But it was good. So the listeners and readers can go to the Women's Who's blog on the HR.com, check it out. But her versatility, her size up front, her ability to get up and down the floor, uh, it's going to be key going against South Carolina's bigs as well. You know, Asia Wilson, freshman, she is a little bit taller than Brianna, maybe by an inch or two. She's definitely bigger and stronger than Brianna. Right. I think keys will be a, how the refs call the game if they allow physical play uh, to go up and down on both ends of the floor. Um, South Carolina, South Carolina has Tiffany Mitchell, All America guard, big time scorer, clutch player. Their offense is kind of uh, not as consistent with as compared to Notre Dame's. Notre Dame has a little bit more options than just Jewel Lloyd. South Carolina leans a little bit more heavily on Tiffany Mitchell to get things done, especially down in crunch time. But I, I think G. Reg picked South Carolina to win, right? Yeah, I picked South Carolina. So I'm going. I got Notre Dame and UConn playing in the final. Doc, Same what here. Do you I say? got Notre Dame and UConn. Wildcat? I'm going to go with uh, uh, South Carolina on the, on the second game. As you hear the m- music pumped in, we're <laughs> yeah, so getting you more time. Lights are brightening up. People coming in. So yeah, When I say is, people, I'm talking about the players. Basically. That's right. Listen, we, we're doing this from yeah. Emily Arena in the press box. You will hear music blaring, doing testing, audio levels, and things like that. So we are here a little earlier because we have a United States Basketball Writers Association 
award presentation that will be taking place in an hour plus. So we're doing it, our podcast a little earlier before that. So um, and we'll have info on the uh, award ceremony on uh, HoustonRunBarView.com. But Doc, oh, I want to get your thoughts on this. But before that, I, before you ask the question there, I just want to give you accolades in terms of the interview and the fact that I want to encourage people to go and listen to that from the standpoint that Notre Dame is expected the way they have that program rolling, that they should be back. So over the years, you'll get a chance to interview again, and people will get a chance to actually see the growth of a player in terms of how they matriculate not only on the court in terms of skills, but also in terms of uh, off the court in terms of the interviews and things of that nature. Obviously, as we look at this, the integration between academics and athletics, I have to bring it up as a professor, but go ahead and ask your question. Well, let, let, let me say this to you, sir. I uh, I did a write-up. I knew audio for it. I didn't do I didn't do audio, oh, but just did a write-up on it. But I want to get your thoughts. This is your first Women's Final Four. Thank you. So what what have you thought so far? First, I would like to say thank you to you personally, Chris, as well as Woodley, in terms of uh, giving me the opportunity to partake in this and suggesting that I do this. And now I see clearly why that the Final Four for the women is also a destination. Uh, Tampa has been good, beautiful city, beautiful time of the year. They've done a good job in terms of I know I'll be back. Uh, I'll have the opportunity to actually go to the baseball game. I know that's sort of your, something that you don't necessarily get too excited about. But we won't stay on that long. Maybe at the because end, because it's a baseball talk. I mean, right? That's that's my understanding. <laughs> I'm saying. Hey man, but ain't this the Houston round ball review? Ain't the baseball round? <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> but uh, it is indeed that. But uh, you know, at some point, if I ever expand sports, because we dabble in in uh, the world's football. Yeah, soccer. You know, as at the round ball review as well. So yeah, yeah anything are. is possible if I ever get a staff yeah. and. And, and Willie budget. and I are going to make sure the listeners get a little bit of baseball. So you That's know, when you get to take a little break, which is fine. Everybody needs a little break. Right. right. And you'll put in some things here and there. It's not like you're we can talk about the not knowledgeable baseball. Cougars, it's just happening. The Cougars to be baseball now 2-4 and four in the American, which yeah, is disappointing. So, you know, but yeah. And Southern ahead. is making a run in terms of the HBCU framework. As it looked like they were the bottom of falling out, but they've won seven games in a row, including a big sweep over Prairie View on the road after getting a sweep at home over Grambling. So they're like two games behind Texas Southern, who's coming off of a woeful trip when they went to Pamela, taking three straight losses. But to kind of come back to your original question and point to sum it all up, the Women's Final Four is a great event. And from a professor standpoint with the marketing component, I really love how they integrate um, the business of sports marketing. The brand is very strong. It's heavily identified. It's everywhere. And they tie in a lot of the components in terms of having the bands up front from the uh, four teams that are here uh, to pep up the crowd. They've done that for a couple of days here, here at the game arena. Uh, they have the autograph session for the players right after they get a chance to warm up and shoot in the gym. So I like the way the NCA really creates a dynamic fan experience, branding, and everything associated with it. Uh, to be honest, the only sore spot, and I have to bring this up, is the fact that I still am um, disappointed that the NCA hasn't seen fit that those that drive the revenue uh, do not partake in more of it uh, from a financial standpoint. Because there is a lot of ball revenue generated from this, and you can see why. Rightly so. Businesses want to be associated with this brand, with this event, uh, it is strong. And so from that, just as a spectator to some degree, but mostly as a analyst, um, this is really good. I love it. Really exciting. Gentlemen, quote, we had this conversation and we talked a lot about where the game is and what the future of the game is. And obviously, it's immensely popular. Look at the interest paid on the NCAA tournament. I don't know that it's immensely popular in the regular season as it used to be, but obviously the tournament is just another world when it comes to that. Having said that, I think the game is a joke. It really is. I don't coach it. I don't play it. So I don't understand all the ins and outs of it. So as a spectator, forget that I'm a coach. As a spectator, watching it, 
It's a joke. There's only like <laughs> 10 teams, you know, out of 25, that actually plays a kind of game of basketball that you like to watch. Every coach will tell you there's 90 million reasons for it. The bottom line is that nobody can score. And they'll tell you it's because of great defense, great scouting, a lot of teamwork. Nonsense, nonsense. College men's basketball is so far behind the times, it's unbelievable. I mean, women's basketball is behind the times. Men's basketball is even further behind the times. Every other major sport in the world has taken steps to help people be better on the offensive end of the floor. They've moved in the fences in baseball. They lowered the mound. They made the strike zone, so you need a straw to put through it. And in the NFL, <laughs> you touch it. You touch a guy, it's a penalty. You're the quarterback, you're out for life. You know, in the NBA, you touch somebody on the perimeter. You whack guys like we used to do when scores were 90 to 75. They changed the rules. This is entertainment we're talking about. People have to decide. Do I want to pay 25 bucks, 30 bucks to see a, a college scrum where everybody misses six out of every 10 shots they take? Or do I want to go to a movie? We're fighting for the, for the entertainment dollar here. And I have to tell you, it's not entertainment from a fan standpoint. Who said that? The young man himself, going for number 10, Dino Ariam. Do you agree or disagree? I am in total, total agreement. agreement. Yep. I'm in total agreement, and this is the framework that I come from. Unfortunately, I think uh, basketball has allowed football to really rule the roost from the standpoint we know that football in a lot of ways is the revenue generator. We've seen it taking place with the dismantling of some of the old conference alignments, um, and that was for revenue and football, which you can understand. Um, it is a business, even though they reluctantly like to look at it and created this new formula they want to call a college format, if you would. But with that being said, in football, coaches really are celebrated. In a lot of ways, I think that formula is translated over to college basketball, where the coaches have become the eyes and the face of the sport at the collegiate level, or the college model, as they like to talk about it. And when that happened, um, I think they overcoached the game. And they really focus on the defensive side of the ball because of the amount of time maybe they can spend with players in terms of thinking that defensively they can affect much more of the game than they can can on the offensive side. And it's obvious that they have, but it's really made the game ugly to watch. And I think the term that he used there, scrum, which is something oftentimes that you look at more from a football-related perspective, or Australian football even more so, just lets you know how ugly it can be uh, in terms of that mix. And he's right. It's not an entertainment game. And if we go back to when the game was founded, uh, obviously Naismith, and then Dr. McClendon, Dr. Naismith, and then McClendon later, they talked about making the game open, uh, making the game more exciting, up-tempo, uh, letting those great athletes, if you would, shine in terms of what their skill sets could be and how they could do that, which in a lot of ways talked about the shooting capacity of these teams. And so I'm in much agreement. They have to find a way to open up this game. It is about entertainment, and it's becoming less entertainment. I think they also have to shift to push this game back a little more uh, and get out of that football window that is spreading its wings and moving more into the basketball tournament. You can't pull it back, uh, but I think you need to open this up and even push the season even further a little uh, later in the year to get somewhat outside of the football arena, but then do some things on the court in terms of the shot clock, opening up the field of play, spread out the three-point line more towards the NBA line, and, make, and opening up the game. G-Reg, I know you disagree with us. <clears throat> well, I, guess I disagree a little bit. I mean, yeah... On some of the things that he said, he does have a point. Um, but I think some of the things, too, I think he's a lot more mad about. I think more his team not getting the respect he feels that they deserve. Um, you know, right now everybody's talking about the men's side. Nobody's really talking about the girls' side of basketball. Um, that's pretty much all year long. So... You know, I mean, he does have a point. I mean, there are a lot of things wrong with men's basketball. A lot of it's being run by the by the dollar now. Um, it's been like that for quite some time. But, um, you know, on the women's side, you know, they don't have that problem. They don't, you know, 
money isn't a factor because they're not making it. The, you know, the money's not there, and that's a big reason why I think um, the sport itself has not been able to get itself elevated um, to the, you know, the where the men's side is. Um, Can I jump I, in there and ask sure. a question on that? Because I think that's an important piece that you're putting out there in terms of the revenue not being maybe as high. How do you change that dynamic? Well, I think for me, the the I think where it really starts on is at the college level of the president and more importantly the, the athletic director. If the president and athletic director of a university don't buy into into the sport, into the program, uh, then how do you expect somebody that doesn't have ties to, to your school or to your team buy into that? Um, and you know, and that's really with any sport, whether it's men's or women, if they're not getting you know the support that they need, then you know how do you expect to have other people support you? Yeah, college baseball would say the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> what, what? 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 I'm trying to. It's, it's, I'm trying to get connected. That's why I'm, I'm trying to figure out some things. But um, no. on the subject that you all were talking about, though, um, it, it it changes pretty much from year to year. You know, it's it's, it's, it's always an, an objective on what on one side that, you know, it's maybe you can get some things done on the on the uh, in the women's game to to elevate it. On the fellas games, you know, you we look at it totally different. Uh but as 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 we're journalists, we look at the basketball totally different. We don't judge it judge it as women's games, men's games. We kinda like put it in its own entity and then allow it to grow. Uh the average fan I disagree. To what extent? It is different. Women's basketball is different than men's basketball. And it's fine that it's different. And different exactly. doesn't mean it's deficient. Exactly. And and for listeners who may not know, but who heard, but who follow these podcasts, we touched on this back in, I believe, October, November. Gino has been critical of women's game as well. So oh, he's not just taking shots at the men's game. He's taking shots at the women's game also. And, I and think some will say that he why, actually understands that the more popular the men's game becomes the more popular women's game will come as well. So it's part and partial. So I think in a lot of ways, he's very clever in terms of saying, hey, we got to fix this. Uh, because if you neglect men's games, we know that you're really going to neglect women's games, as you talked about, Greg, which is an excellent point, is that all points need to be pointed in the same direction. Because when you ultimately you're talking about basketball, you're talking about all things basketball, uh, whether it's international um, national played NBA college games in a lot of ways. We're talking about opening it up. NBA understood this. They opened up the game a lot more. They were having some problems with that. Scoring is up. And that's because they've made a concerted effort to understand that, hey, people are not entertained by our game as much as they should be. We want to know why is that. And they said one way that we can do that is make sure that the game is entertaining for people to look at the game in such a way um, that they're excited about it. So to that degree, I, I think I understand a little bit of your framework, but I would disagree to some degree with that kind of statement, respectfully. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't. It wasn't a blanket. It, it wasn't a blanket statement. It was basically an opinion of what you know Respect. what we view as uh, compared to the average fan, paying customer, and journalist. We all look at it differently, especially since the three uh, all of us watch and cover men's and women's sports. You know, in, in, in the same uh, season, so it, it's we we look at it. We we basically look at it as okay. This is women's basketball. This is men's basketball. That's where you know we we are able to separate the two and just and just watch it and allow it to to, to grow. If we watching bad basketball, bad basketball is just bad basketball. As in the up. as in the act of women's basketball, yes. it is crap. And hopefully, men as well. But. This year, especially, it was yeah, the act. Yeah, yes, yeah. I mean, it was it was no. We're referring to this. Well, I'm referring to this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, okay, you yeah. Said last year was the best. Hopefully, you can't it, win championships and be that. Well, technically, with UConn women, we think are going to win number ten, except for G. Reg here. But you were saying outside of UConn, right? Well, it's still part of the act. Yeah. They are they are the bell cow of the entire college basketball women's landscape. Very high on it. But the conference as a whole. God, until it changes. Still, I, I'm going to agree with, 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 with KJ. Until it changes, that's what it is. I respect that. And, and we'll, okay, let's get back to one of these points. Is UConn's dominance on women's basketball good for women's basketball? I still say it's good. Because at some point, you, mm. you, 
Why not, Doc? Why not? You shaking your head. I think I know where you're going with it, in that you're saying that everybody will have to raise their game. You hope. I, it, it's coming no, to they have to, they have at to. some point, raise their game. But I'm saying from a business model standpoint, no, I don't think it's good. Um, the NFL, I think some people would argue that in past, the t- individual teams were probably better in the NFL 10, 15, 20 years ago. And a lot of those teams would dominate, whether it's 49ers, Cowboys, or what have Pittsburgh you. And Pittsburgh and Steelers, thank you for uh, making sure they were included because those fans would jump on me. But from when you look at it now in terms of business model, there's nothing better than the NFL right now. And why is that? Because the game it truly has that slogan when you have people talk about any given Sunday. Anybody can mm-hmm. win. You can have literally a team that was at the bottom yeah. the previous year. They but, get busy in free agency. The model changes. Other teams lose some players in terms of weakening their strength, i.e. San Francisco. People question where they would be, things of that nature. And all of a sudden, that team that was not in the playoffs, not only do they get in the playoffs, but they literally can make a run and ultimately, to some degree, win a Super Bowl. That sells because you never know what's going on. Um, that's a business model that works when you talk about truly understanding the entertainment dollar. And that's why I said in this model, no, UConn dominating the way they do is not good. You kind of see it in here. You talked about the last couple of years that it was more entertaining. When you had Tennessee here in terms of another brand that was just as dominant, if you would, and you had the kind of the mix going back and forth between UConn and Tennessee, and throwing in a couple of other teams in there, you had more people that were involved wanting to see that because there was a little little or less questioning in terms of who was going to get it done. Later, we'll talk about the men's side. Although Kentucky was looking at perfection in 40-0, there were a lot of people that were split in terms of just how talented that team was in terms of could they get it done. And a lot of people, rightfully so, said no. It was split pretty much in half depending on where you pulled it. And that was because on the men's side, at least at the top between those mix of teams, this year I think some people would have argued in terms of the number one seed, it may have went as far as ten teams. There were right. legitimate arguments between the first five and the next five in terms of who should have had the number one seed. And most people would agree with that, that you could have threw them in the hat and pulled them out and people wouldn't have been too upset if you kind of changed it around. Other than Kentucky because they were undefeated, obviously, they had to have the number one seed earn it. So I'll finish on this note by answering that question directly. With UConn being so dominant in terms of business side and branding, generating more interest on television where the money comes from, it is clearly a bad thing. And, and let's look at women's basketball. Let's, let's, let's look at this. UConn, this is, I believe, their eighth straight trip to the Final Four. Right. Notre Dame's fifth straight trip to the Final Four. Maryland's making back-to-back trips. Only South Carolina is the newbie of the group. Which so we are now... Apparently, we're now in an elite, elite, a limited grouping of people getting to the Final Four, Notre Dame and UConn. That is probably not good for the overall growth of women's college basketball. You have the same teams participating in the Final Four year after year. Great Agree or disagree? Let's go back a little bit in terms of the top eight. Go ahead. And when you look at the top eight, it's even more so the case that you're talking about. That those top brands are there. You only had one. Maybe two of them that weren't there in terms of crashing the party. So your point is excellent in terms of understanding. And let's and say this: Tennessee had a down year for Tennessee. Injuries. My uh, they're, not, they're not even the best team in the, the SEC. They still reached the Elite Eight. It was a down year right. with injuries. Down year, they still reached the Elite Eight. Elite Eight. Yes. So they're still a top ten program. And they are, haven't been to the Final Four in five, six, seven, eight years, however long it's been. What, two? To get to the Final the Four. They two won the championship in 2008. Two so senior class. Couple of years. So it's good to see South Carolina being a newbie to crash the Final Four party. But we need more of those teams. Yes, exactly. And their fan base, the Gamecock fan base is huge. It's grown. Don Staley has done a great job attracting the fans, student section, the alums to support South Carolina and to travel. To, come yes. to, su- to support them. There's not enough of that. I joked about this with you guys yesterday. When, if UConn weren't here, if when Dayton led at halftime of the regional final, I promise you, ESPN was 
praying, was it praying, was praying. It bricks? They was were it they were dropping bricks. <laughs> they were dropping, they bricks. dropping <laughs> bricks because you all of us know if UConn would not be at this Final Four, the media turnout would be dramatically less. The fan turnout would be would be dramatically less because women's college basketball supporters support teams. They don't they don't follow the sport of women's college basketball as much as they follow teams. Yeah, you can clearly see that. A, a point example was last Sunday so you at mean, the uh, Oklahoma City Regionals. Uh, Baylor was in the finals, and there were uh, there were barely four thousand people in the stands and all watching. Because what? Uh, because Oklahoma wasn't there. There you go. That was that plus the fact that the uh, uh, Baylor's football stadium was hosting a Palm Sunday service, and a lot of folks, uh, fans, just didn't make the trip. Also, the weather changed on everybody last weekend. And Baylor is a driving, uh, is a a fan base that drives to their uh, to, to their uh, to road yeah. game, yeah. and that made a lot of difference. But let's let's take a little give me one second, G Reg. Baylor fans, even and this is Baylor. Baylor is a huge women's basketball program. Yeah. But without a Brittany Griner type, the attraction, it's, they didn't it's, come. It's different. It's exactly it's different. they didn't support Baylor. They supported Brittany Griner and Baylor. With Griner gone now, and they have an All-American in Nina Davis. And they still did not, you said, 4,000 people right. at the regional in Oklahoma City. That's not that far from Waco. No, no. That, that's, a, that's a lot closer than, than Houston is to, to uh, Oklahoma City. Nice straight highway ride, too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Well, you're not just looking at that. Is you're also looking at a game time start or start time of what? It was oh, like 8.30? Yeah. I'm glad you brought that I mean, it's Sunday night, 8.30 start time for a regional final. For the women, or actually, just regional final period at eight thirty o'clock on a Sunday night, and that's How, not going to change unless they move the inertia between having the men's games and the women's games played tournament wise at the same time. Basically. So yeah, that's an excellent yeah, point because yeah. television drives that. Yeah, and, and the, television is not going to move those windows. Well, unless, I think that was a Tuesday. The final was Tuesday. Baylor Notre Dame because semifinal was Sunday. Oh, that's uh, yeah, that's right. right. Saturday, yeah. Monday, Sunday, but, Tuesday. But, your but point the time, is, the timing, the time yeah, starts yeah, still, still the same. There. Yeah, that's been an issue over the last couple of weekends in terms of how they maneuvered the television windows, playing an early game and then a the late game with the two men's games, basically getting the prime time early in terms of last uh, Saturday and Sunday. You've seen that happen. Yeah. How long, if ever? Let me let me. Let me, let me Back back to the dominance, UConn dominance being good for the sport. We don't believe it is overall. But Gino said, quote, South Carolina wasn't today what South Carolina was 10 years ago. Neither was Notre Dame before 2000. Just in the last 10 years, look what's happened. So you see Dayton playing in the tournament. You see Gonzaga playing. Look around that, and a lot has happened in the last 10 years. Is it good? I think it's good. Okay, end quote. But you, we all know, in order for... The American Athletic Conference, women's basketball, hell, football, the, you know, the money sport, football, men's basketball, and lesser extent, women's college basketball. Teams like the University of Houston have to step up their game and become relevant on the national landscape. That's going to become, I agree with that, but it's going to become more difficult with the Power Five moving in the direction they want. I think you're perfectly right, and I think that's the danger of allowing the Power Five to make the decision they did, and they played a trick on everybody else, saying they were going to take their ball and go home, and nobody stood up profusely, I should say, and said no, uh, that this is not best for the game. So I think with the more revenue that they're going to get in terms of television, because those revenues are going to increase, and the ability of them to be able to slice the rules in a, that favor them uh, compared to the other uh, next five or what they wanted to call themselves in terms of how they look at that. I think this is going to become even more difficult. But inside of UConn, I think Gino was supposed to say that. He's a big dog. He's not, I don't yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think that, that UConn's dominance has helped somewhat, you know, in the league. It, it's helped other teams, you know, move forward and try to become relevant to the sport. Um, I think the biggest problem, though, is that when Gino usually talks about women's basketball, he's mainly concerned with about himself in UConn. He doesn't really promote, in my opinion, women's basketball. He's promoting the dominance of UConn, you know, 
to women's basketball and how great his team is. And I mean, I agree it is. But, you know, when I think he was president of WBCA, you know, Women's Basketball Coach Association, there were many events that he didn't attend because UConn had lost in, 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 the, in the tournament. So he no longer wanted to be a part of anything. So his responsibilities as pro, as a, as the president of, of the organization and promoting women's college sports, women's college basketball, he put those duties aside. Didn't want to do what what was required of him or expected of him, you know, in that position. And I think that's the one of the biggest problems about women's basketball when it comes to uh, Coach Arema is the fact that a lot of times he's not promoting the sport. He's promote. He's just more concerned about promoting his team and I think you know when you look at other other leagues you know other divisions you talk about NFL you know Major League Baseball you know NBA when when you talk when owners talk or when when coaches talk whatever they'll talk about their team but then they also talk about what's best for for the league for the sport I agree with that but it's slightly different from the standpoint that they truly understand that their business model is about generating revenue exactly and the way you generate revenue is making sure that your product is better than anybody else. So your point is well taken. I would ask you, do they do a better job at that in terms of men's college game? Or do you think they're equally at fault in terms of individual leaders or individual coaches looking at it more for their interests or their particular institution's interests versus the game of basketball across the college landscape? I think it depends on the coach. Yeah, I think it depends on the coach, but really at least on the men's side, it's become so big that – it's it's it doesn't they need any more no promotion. Yeah, they have, yeah, yeah, so now it's all about who's going to get the dollar. I mean, it's reached to the level where it's just about the money. And of course, you know, TV talks, making the tournaments, you winning championships. Yeah. Um, you fair. know, but we know when the coaches talk, they they're still going to talk about their teams first, but then they're going to talk about the individual sport next. And I think that's the one thing that that Gino doesn't do, or at least in my opinion, he doesn't do or do enough of that when he talks. He's doing it. He's doing it more. The last couple of years, I think he, I think he's uh, the older he's got, he, I think he understands it more. Yeah, because you know we've we've heard him talk about um, teams in the conference and how he does see them, the administration doing a better job trying to support and pump up on his basketball within the conference. I mean, he he seems to believe that there are teams within the American Athletic Conference that have the support from their administrators to become. Relevant on the national landscape, besides just UConn, besides just USF, he truly believes that there are teams in the American that have more support than a team that used to be in the old Big East that he was part of. So, yeah, I think he's understanding that more. We'll see how it play, plays out. Plays out. I truly believe. I hope my alma mater and the University of Houston gets off their behinds and becomes relevant in women's basketball. It's gonna take a few years to get that done. And point blank, uh, it may not happen as long as certain people in the administration are still in charge. I was going to say, I don't see it. So as long as individuals are still at U of H who seem to have no clue how to run a successful women's basketball program, it may not happen. I hope the new a- a athletic director, when he, he or she is finally hired, comes in and gets rid of some of those folks who seem to be lacking in knowledge of um, women's basketball are dismissed then maybe the sun will shine once again at Hawthorne Pavilion on the women's basketball side. Yeah, and then, yes. then that comes back to the point I said earlier is the fact that if the ADs and the presidents of the university and stuff right. don't buy into it, exactly. then, you know, then these schools that are that are never becoming anything in women's sports are going to stay where they're at. You know, there's there was a big uh, a big support, like for, for Pat Summit at Tennessee, you know, and, and that was, I think, a big reason why she was able to be successful because she had the support of... of the administration. Um, I know Gino has supported the administration, you know, immensely. Supported support him on that, so it makes his job a little bit easier. Um, Can I, you build that support in this current landscape? Because the eight hundred pound gorilla in the room, we all know, is the sport of football. I, well, I think it well, can because the thing is, is they want they want to talk about money. Well, you know what? The team, the, the women's basketball, can be self sustaining. If, right. if you put the work into it, you know, it's not just, you know, a money draining institute, you know, part of the institution because of Title IX. I mean, that's a lot of them, a lot, a lot of times they want to talk about, well, well, 
you know, well, because of Title Nine, we got to have these women's sports, you know, because we've got these X number of men's sports, things like that. You know, that's fine. But the thing is, is even though you got to have it because of a law, that doesn't mean that you can't turn it into being successful and being being positive when it comes to generating money. I mean, you know, we're we're not saying that, you know, you need to make, you know, your basketball team or any of your women's sports or whatever, you know, million dollar money makers. But I mean, if you're spending, let's say, you know, a million and a half, two million dollars a year on that sport and you're selling tickets and you can sell, you know, uh, apparel and things like that, you can you can if you can do a good enough job of selling those tickets and selling that apparel and things like that to make up most of, if not all of that money, you know. That, but that that's going to take support. That's got to be you know support from within the yeah, organization, within a, within a, the a plan, a strategic yeah. plan to get there. Yeah. Well, we, we uh, speaking of two programs that that changed just because there was an, uh, an acceptance from the president and AD was Baylor in Oklahoma. You uh, hired when Kim was hired, she was donated as uh, she was designated as as the person that was convinced that it was a good hire. I'm gonna take this job, and the support that I've uh, that I've been given allowed her to get to Indianapolis for her first championship. Sherry Cole, a high school coach that everyone in the area of Oklahoma City to Norman and pretty much across Oklahoma questioned why the the, the university would hire a, a, a high school coach to take over that women's basketball program. And we look at it at, at today, and it, it's it's come a long way because before it was just like an off brand as you as you saw, but also here locally at, at, at back in H Town, you know you got Preview, Texas Southern, now HBU. Was it truly done by the AD, AD and president at those two institutions in yes. terms of supporting women's basketball, or was that done in spite of because they had a no. a good uh, hire? Well, Oklahoma was close to shut down the women's basketball program. Yeah. Before they hired Sherry Cole, they about to get That's my question: Is now, was now, it more based on what the what the coaches were able to get done in the environment, which then I, created more support, or I was think it Sherry really Cole, up front with the administration saying we're going to build a winning women's? I think men, I mean women's now, basketball. She pounded the pavement and made it successful. Yeah, right. So that was more. So, no, I think I know where you're going. I that's think more despite of the right. I, I think you just happen yes. to have a good hire. They got that done, and you were fortunate. I, I think it's more of that also. case. Than, and, and, I, yeah. and the other part of that is they didn't actually set up any roadblocks to stop them from succeeding, which we've all seen, we've seen programs that, 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 that has happened. Right, but I think that's slightly different from you saying, what you're saying, really true AD and presidential leadership that supports making sure that women's sports in general, specifically the game of women's basketball, is doing what's necessary in terms of moving forward. And I'll, I'll kind of digress and let us move into some Now, let's shift gears and get into men's basketball. Just have breaking news come across Twitter. ESPN's Jeff Goodman, this was, had been discussed last night and early Sunday morning, that Alabama was in discussions with Avery Johnson to be, become the new head coach. And apparently they've reached a verbal agreement. And Avery Johnson, a product from where? Southern University HBCU Thank in you, Baton sir. Rouge, Louisiana. Is now the head coach of the... Alabama and Crimson Tide men's basketball program. We do great things in the sweat. That blows me away. That This hire kind of comes out of the blue to me. I'm really surprised that Alabama would be interested in Avery Johnson and then Avery Johnson would be interested in Alabama. So we'll see if it works out. I don't – I think money – well, money speaks and opportunity speaks in terms of – I understand because they couldn't really get some of their first choices. But after that, I think it comes – Comes wide open and the pieces just well, kind of fell not, together. Not, you just mentioned a point. Who were their first choice? You know, because that was it. It, it, it was almost like uh, Wichita State's Greg Marshall was, was there. Was, was that was they really a, wanted? Was the prime candidate. Now, um, and then after that, I think it was open. It was, you know, they had that's who initial they hopes of uh, Shaka Smart, but you know, Shaka Smart now is the Longhorn. We can talk about that as well. And thoughts on that? Speaking of that, that may be a twofold situation because where did. Uh, Starting to float around that now uh, that Shaka has made his move to Texas, that the administration at VCU is on is, is on tap to attempt to try to uh, bring Mike Rhodes back to the program. <laughs> and where is Mike Rhodes at right now? He's at, at Rice. That'd be a Texas. tough blow to Rice. It would. Know, it's, it's happened. 
But the uh, original question you had there in terms of what is that doing to the landscape, I think it really speaks volumes of how far University of Texas. I don't know if it's totally about how far we've gone. I'm talking about as far as making high. Right. I'm just saying in terms of the overall landscape, I thought you were referring to. I apologize. If you're talking about Texas, obviously, tremendously. Because now you have have two uh, black coaches uh, that are in revenue generating programs. Yeah, this that, was a it, program it, didn't didn't have an African American lead in sports uh for twenty the last twenty years. They brought uh African American women in to do track and field. Right. But before that they didn't have any in any position. Now all of a sudden you have two in terms of your largest most focused revenue generating sports. Um but I think it's a significant higher this is one reason I think this is a, a, a significant outside of just the ethnicity issue is it's talking about the as we were talking about the style of play in women's basketball. You also have that issue in a lot of ways to men's basketball. But that up tempo game, if he's able to bring that into Texas, I think will drive more fans. And this is a fan base that uh, thinks football first, uh, football second, and some people would say football third. Yeah. In a lot of cases, a lot so of people tell you. you're gonna have to do a little more than just win, um, particularly early uh, in basketball in terms of, of University of Texas. With Rick Barnes, he was able to win, and even then, there were still some concerns in terms right. of how he drove the fan base and supporting the team. So I think the entertainment framework is going to be interesting about that. So I think, in one hand, it's good for uh, the University of Texas, state of Texas, to make that move and say something, but overall. I think you see a issue with African Americans, young coaches, being able to get in the position to become head coaching uh, in basketball, men's basketball in general, uh, particularly at name programs. It's even less so. So I think it's kind of split in terms of the totality. What does this mean in terms of racial division in the game of basketball? Thoughts on the uh, men's semifinals took place Saturday. Duke thumping Michigan State. Never saw that coming. Wisconsin, the fact Duke won or that it wasn't close? That it wasn't close. Why so? I, that kind Based of what you saw at regional from Duke? Right. Go ahead. Go ahead. Elaborate. Um, didn't see him, you know, pushing the ball and, and, and just dominating rebounding like, uh, like they normally do. And the same person stepped up again uh, in, in the game last night. Who, who are you talking about? Talking about uh, Justice Winslow. Where is he from? Houston, Houston Texas. The tempo changed when with Okafor on the uh, on the bench, and Justice was allowed to, for whatever reason, Michigan State never adjusted to his position. Either at the point guard handling the uh, ball pressure now coming up they court, tried, they uh, then on, on the, <laughs> taking him out to the wing, him, him put, being able to put the ball on the floor and drive inside and, and score. Then getting a re- and then get team rebounds and different offensive rebounds and getting the ball back out. There were four positions where. Duke got four rebounds, four position on, on one one possession down uh, down floor uh, down court, and he kept the ball in the half court for almost a minute, minute and a half, you no know, to work with. That I never, I didn't see that last week and the other week in the, in the regional. I never saw that coming, and I think that's kind of like what worked against Michigan State, even it, especially with their toughness for what they had done all year. And, one, and, and with that, I just didn't see them see Duke winning by 20 points against uh, Michigan State. I just didn't. In the background, you're listening to the Final Four presentation, the intro for Notre Dame in South Carolina. And as we talked about, this is a truly entertainment business. Boy, you talking about thematic. I feel like I'm in the movie theater with the big screen and all this flashing going on. Man, I just got hyped. We got this. It's, a, it's a nice, clear HD video big board here. Yeah, and it here when we came by in, tw- in, in 2008. Clear sound. Oh wow! But Duke beat Michigan State earlier in the season. wasn't by 20 points. I believe it was like by nine or ten. Right. First matchup. Michigan State struggled to score most of the season. They only scored 61 points versus you went Duke. Went back to the west. Yeah. Uh, Saturday, Duke's defense has come a long way. There were times this season they really struggled I think on that's defense. That's the biggest picture. Well, you yeah, know, they because... talked about uh, the the chain of the defense. It is uh, had some influence from. Uh, Jim Behan from the, the uh, Coach K's playing some zone. Zone, you know, playing some zone, which is something he had. And, and he had been known to do. But they're, and they're mixing that zone up to the man to man on on the front side of it, uh, switching uh, defensively. True, true. And I don't true. think Michigan State was quite ready for that, and it really could not get into the offensive sets to be comfortable. They Duke refused to allow them to be comfortable in what they were doing. 
Well, we're going to tie it in. We got Justice Winslow. I think I look forward to the matchup between Winslow and Sam Decker from Wisconsin. Let's talk about Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, is it an upset? I mean, they. a lot of people I don't thought think Wisconsin would, could beat with Kentucky, right, and they got it done. It so. I don't well, think, I don't they see it as through for I guess on paper you have to call it upset uh, because of what Kentucky was coming in. 30, 38 no. Mm-hmm. With that framework, so I think you could slightly call it that. And then the spread—we don't do a lot of the spread talk here. But outside of that, I think those that were really analyzing this game said that Wisconsin was the type of team that could give them some problems. And they did, especially toward the end. Uh, toward the end, what, when they were they were yeah, the, the it spread. was one of those games that went on those runs. Right, so there yeah. was different types of games where they went on different runs in each team. But most people would have thought when Kentucky went up four. Uh, as you started to wind down the game, it right. was about four, well, it was two and a half minutes left in the game, mm-hmm. something like that, four minutes left in the game. Uh, in it, terms of that, that they were in a good position to finish out. They had three bad offensive possessions that really did them in. Uh, not to mention that the call on uh, with the shot clock was egregious. It yeah. just didn't work. And not so it. much that, the, that that caused the game, but you cannot – Ignore when you talk about young men and how that changes the tempo in terms of how you play out the game when it's a four-point spread versus a two-point spread or you up to. Those changed a whole dynamic in game, whether it's timeouts or things like that. So I, I hate when people try to play it out and act like a right. call is not necessarily but, different. But Wildcat, the other thing as an, real quick, Wildcat, okay. as, an, as an official, do you make a conscious effort to know that the time left on the shot clock the lead official of the trail, the trail is most uh, uh, most definitely that is his responsibility because he's the furthest away from the from the basket and you his, cannot and, miss and, that call. And he and his object his eye objectivity is in front of him, meaning he's looking down and he's a, his, his his eyesight is set on the clock. Okay, so, so, you, so you not in your mind in your mind you know that there are three seconds left in your mind. Right. So you prepare to at, say at, at five you start counting down. You you you, you, you should be looking for that. Yeah. So you should be looking for it because when it happened live, Nacho Hayes was put back. Initially, I knew I didn't believe it. it yeah, was, everybody was like, it's not good. And you just kind of had to look to see if they were clear it up. Now, the worst part of the game is egregious with all this technology in terms of you talking about fixing games. And I still have the fa- fact that they couldn't review it. And right. And that's that, that's going to be a subject of it. Obviously, now. At post game, that would be a situation where everybody uh, would, uh, somebody just went off. Somebody just went dead. Somebody just went dead. We're fine. But, okay. All right. Uh, but at at post game, when you start t- doing notes and you start talking about the game and going back over, that is that was probably the first thing that was discussed when they went back into the locker room. Too late. As, 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 no, as, I'm talking about as far as official. I know you. You, you but, do my grading. I'm talking about me as a fan. Well, it, but, now, but now today on the podcast, instead of me talking about a great game, Wisconsin <laughs> deserved to win. I have to focus on the fact that the Messed up. Because I would have went with, as far as the conversation concerned, was the two shot clock situations that Kentucky came down and didn't get it and, and didn't score. They took bad shots, didn't get, didn't get set the ball up, didn't set the head of the up. Correct. And, and, and if, if I'm looking at, about it, but it, I'm saying if that call wasn't made, that, right. I'm not sure. You might focus on that, but you actually. <laughs> Focus, focus on the three point right. shot. That and the trails, been, the, the that trail official, that's his object. Going up on that's his job. So it, it changes the dynamic of everything you do in terms of us focusing on the game right. and the matchups, which is and unfortunate it it for everybody be involved. It you, should, that should never So been. not only do I blame him for not getting the call right, I also blame those that are in charge of making sure right. that officiating have the ability to. To get calls that they can. If and it was a three-point, they would allow them to look all, at it. If you, it was two minutes later hear, in the game, they would have been allowed to look at it. And That's you, ridiculous. And That's you hear too often that we, we're going to get this right. Because we had to sit down and have uh, that the, point the court side the right? week. We had to sit down at the court side last week. That was the first thing that one of the officials mentioned late in the game. We're going to get this right, Coach. This is, this is not, we're going to call the timeout. We're going to get this right. Two things. Two things we're going <laughs> to, as we get ready to go to the USBWA presentation in a few minutes. Who's going to win tomorrow? Duke, Wisconsin. Who's going to win? I'm looking at Duke. Duke beat uh, Wisconsin early in the season, I believe, 80-70. to 70. It was at Wisconsin, so it was a road win. You have two incredible coaches, two incredible teams, but it's just hard to go against the resume of Coach, Coach K. 
you putting the game on the sideline. I'm, I'm, if if I if I'm watching the game and it's got to go to the sideline, I'm gonna have to go with him. I'm gonna have to go with Coach. Well, Bo I, I mean, is a hell of a coach too. Not yeah, I, I think yeah, I think he's. But now nah, I've seen we've all seen up close what 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 Coach K does in a in a side in a timeout, whether it be a long timeout, short one, and making adjustments. Yeah. Now on the in, court, in game. on the court, I think uh, you have those three freshmen. For Duke, that are playing some of their bas- best basketball. I'm not sure if they're really freshmen. And then under the tutelage of Coach K of how he's going to allow them to do what they do best and not necessarily let their emotions get to them. That's one thing I'm not sure that Calipari does as well in terms of not allowing pressure situations to get to his kids. And, and so that's not just X's and O's that people question. I think it's more in regards to the reflection of – philosophically how do you do with young individuals and in a lot of ways that's also juniors and seniors uh, to their credit so from that standpoint I still think on the court as talented as Wisconsin and Duke both are I think schematically Coach K will do what's necessary uh, to get them over the hump. And despite the fact you have probably the top pick in the NBA draft in Jaleel Okafor Probably a top five pick in Justice Winslow, assuming he comes out as well. Another first round pick for sure in Frank Kaminsky, who was the player of the year if he in college basketball. Sam well Decker would be a first round pick if he decides to come out. The ratings for this game would not be nearly as high as right. it would have been for a Duke, Kentucky. Yeah, because you, you CBS is crying, crying, the, crying. Right, because you're talking about the brand awareness, first of all. Right. Then you have a team really one step closer. To doing okay, yeah, undefeated, yeah. which hadn't been done since the seventies with Indiana, and so those putting those things together, well, they did that. But you also have to look at the issue with Harrison, as you talk about top pick and uh, what's really a buzz outside of the call on the social media platforms is the slur that he used. Yeah, and Andrew Harrison from our area. You want to say Fort Ben Travis? Yeah, Greater Houston. Yeah, Greater Houston. Post-game press conference last night, Kentucky's post-game press conference. The question was asked to teammate uh, Carl Anthony Towns, I believe, but and under his breath, live Mike, he didn't realize the mic was hot. Andrew Harrison referred to Frank Kaminsky as that effing N-word. He said F that in. F that in. There you go. Thank you. F that in. N-word. It happened. Thoughts? Some yeah. people naturally are making it as a, he a, a, a reverse... Deal, you know, if a white person would have said this, it'd be a bigger whatever. Yes, it would. But yes, it would. Thoughts, yes. Go ahead. And there's a reason why. Go ahead. Because in this society, that uh, European society, that historically, uh, European Americans have had the ability to enslave, if you want to go back that far in terms of that, and the racial contextions. First of all, people must know the definition of racism which is something that is used inappropriate a lot of times, which really confuses this conversation. Uh, racism is instituted by a systematic oppression of people that has to be done with people of influence and power. So that's the first thing, when, if you're going to use it. Uh, whether you're talking about prejudice or bigotry, that's another framework that you can use appropriately. So let's understand the contextual side of what we're talking about and use it appropriate when we talk about this. But obviously what he said was inappropriate. But to try to say it's reverse racism or why some group is not going to jump on this as big as the other, then you're just silly and you don't understand and you're just using it as an excuse to downplay other uh, situations where true racism exists and are used inappropriately. So should he be punished in terms of that? Definitely, because in the context of what was going on in this environment uh, that you can't use terminology like that. And I think a further glimpse of this would look at it in terms of young people and the terminology they use, and not to put a, just this negative blanket on hip-hop, but that is a vernacular that they use in their terminology. And you have older African-Americans uh, that sit down and try to express the concerns of why you shouldn't use that terminology because oftentimes you're so used to using it when it becomes a situation where you need to be in a professional environment where it's not going to be fairly used, and you should not use it, if at all, period. You can't necessarily turn it off and on, and this is a case 
and his frustration, his hate, he went back to using his usual vernacular in terms of his basic terminology, which is obviously inappropriate. But I think those are two separate frameworks that when you need to look at this incident. Doc, that's why you're here. That's why you are here, Doc. That's why you are here. And as, as, and as Wildcat touched on, Andrew did apologize. He uh, stated on Twitter, first I want to apologize for my poor choice of words using jest towards a player I respect and know. When I realized how this could be perceived, I immediately called Big Frank to apologize and let him know that I didn't mean any disrespect. We had a good conversation. I wished him good luck in the championship game Monday. Any more thoughts? Works for me. Doc, how can folks find you on the internet, sir? Yes, they can follow me on the social media platforms at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, it's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. That's the social media platforms of Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also listen to me and find my podcast on SoundCloud outside of what we do here for Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, which is a weekly tape version of a radio show I do live on com for those that are outside of the Houston listening audience. So you can catch it live every Tuesday from 7 to 8 at com. You can catch it live uh, both in terms of radio streaming signal or you can catch the video feed as well, both on live or television streaming as well if you want to get a framework of Dr. Kenyatta Cavill on Inside HBCU Sports Lab. Wildcat? You can find me online in the social media uh, network, Facebook, Twitter, TweetDeck, SoundCloud, uh, at J.L. Woodley 1, Jerry L. Woodley Jr. You can find me on Blogger, and YouTube at AKSV, the CSR, the College Sports Report. And I am glad to say that I am. My brand is starting to venture out, and I've gotten uh, this year in particular, I've got my post game, uh, postseason credentials that actually says the College Sports Report. I am happy for my work has been. Noted, and I am glad, and now I know what I have to do to get better. Kudos, and I am on, I am kudos on my to way. you, my friend. You well deserved. Well deserved. Thank you. And I'm KG of the Houston Round Ball Review, www.houstonroundballreview.com, also www.thehrr.com. Our podcast is available on soundcloud.com as well as iTunes. Once again, houstonroundballreview.com. G-Reg, thank you for your miraculous prediction. Break going on that limb as you stand alone. You going to stick with it? You got time to change it. Uh, no, I'm going to stick with it, man. <laughs> I'm going to stick with it just like the man. Miracle's going to happen tonight. So you got you got uh, Maryland and who in the final? I got, I got Maryland and South Carolina. And who, who's going to win it all? That I don't know. Um, Not going to win it all. Well, against South Carolina and Maryland, I, I'll, say, I'll say Maryland. Maryland with the championship. Doc. Banner goes down. We see all these banners in here. Doc. He's putting a banner for Maryland. I'm saying, no, uh, it's going to be three in a row for UConn. They do it and win Geno's 10th championship. Wildcat? Ah, let's see. I'm going with UConn. Did that change? Yeah. UConn. <laughs> okay. That's got to be three out of four. We got the UConn win the, the title number 10. For Gino and the, and the Huskies and Husky Nation, we'll be hearing a lot of UConn Huskies tonight, Sunday night, and Tuesday night. D-Rex has different. We'll see if he's right. <laughs> it's, it's Easter weekend, man. Miracles man. happen. So, once again, let's thank you very much that is for listening. Thank you for uh, your tweets. One thing I did yes, want sir. to throw before you close it off, uh, I'll be admiss, is that we did have a intersectional matchup in baseball between the MEAC and the SWAC with Alabama State hosting Savannah State. They took two yesterday, and they'll play the third of the series. So they've already won the series, going for a sweep today uh, with Alabama State, looking like they're the number one baseball program in HBCU sports right now, particularly what Texas Southern has said, losing, uh, getting swept by Arkansas Pine Bluff on the west side. Doc, so, wow, that, 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 that's interesting, this PB, uh, losing the Pine Bluff. What, was it no, it was Texas Southern 
that went up to Pine Bluff and got swept. Oh, okay. Then. That's what but I was you also had Prairie View playing at home that beat Southern early this year, two out of three. Uh-huh. And got swept at home. But that's enough of the baseball scene. I know you want to. Oh, that's fine. Doc, are we Are we headed out to baseball tomorrow, Doc? I know I'll be out there. I'm trying to see if I can. You swing another ticket? Yep. Uh, hey, I, you know I'm good for that. I'm good for that, Doc. So this is, and this is personally for me, uh, a great time to end uh, the podcast. We got a tribute on the video board uh, to the awesome, iconic Kay Yao. Yes. Who, as uh, it so happens, we share a uh, born day. We were both born on March 14th. Me and Coach Yao rest in peace. I'm going to close out the podcast as I always do. You can always go to uh, more info about the uh, Kay Yao Cancer Fund, Play for K, and all the outstanding work done for Coach Yao in the fight against cancer. Uh, as we wrap it up, as always, dude, listen, thank you very much for your time. Hope you enjoy the games. I hope we enjoy the games, and I hope both games are worth watching full 40 minutes. <laughs> they can happen. Hopefully. Can I have happen. doubts about one of those games, but hopefully both games hope. are worth hope watching. Keep hope alive. Keep hope alive. So, going to wrap it up, as I always do. In conclusion, uh-huh. be true, uh-huh. be cool, yes. and do more. Amen.